Welcome to Break Bias. I'm your host, Brad Kramer. It's the 63rd episode, and I am here after the Hungarian Grand Prix. And after 70 laps around the Hungaro Ring, Red Bull and Max Verstappen have won in the most dominant fashion, taking an incredible record away from the 1988 McLaren, what I believe is still the most dominant machine in F1 history. But first, a quick reminder, check out the link tree in the description. It has links to pages like all the platforms you can find this podcast, my YouTube channel, Break Bias Twitter, and my TikTok as my email address if you'd like to contact me, as well as my personal Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Now, let's review what happened in Budapest. Well, it was inevitable, wasn't it? Pole continues to elude Max Verstappen in Hungary, but it doesn't seem to matter where he starts on the grid. He continues to win. Red Bull has now won 12 straight Grand Prix, cementing the RB19 as one of the most dominant cars in F1 history. But I still stand by what I said last week. This car is only dominant in the hands of Max Verstappen. Let's take a look at what Sergio Perez did this weekend to prove my point. Yes, he finally made it into Q3, but he dropped it on the first lap of of FP1. You know, I actually put out a tweet right after it happened. You know, the, the moment Daniel Ricciardo put a wheel on the track... Sergio Perez drops it, and he's out of the session. Um, And he's qualifying again, although he finally broke that horrendous streak. He qualified P9, a very underwhelming performance again in qualifying in that Red Bull. Um, You know, he has yet another solid comeback drive to the podium that gets praised by the media and fans and teams and, and whatnot. But yet again, I'm not impressed by what he did on Sunday uh, if, if you want to know how his fastest lap compared to Verstappen's, who who had the fastest lap of the race, Perez was 1.7 seconds off. Their strategy was not that different. That is stupid. Max Verstappen, I think, had pace in hand. I think he actually probably could have lapped the Ferraris in this one because it is a, a bit of a shorter track. Um You know, Perez finished 40 seconds off his teammate, and like I said, pace in hand, I think that could have even been worse. And if the race was 75 laps, Perez probably would have fell into the clutches of Hamilton and would have been passed by him. Um, That last in from Checo was especially disappointing, at least on my end. You know, he was slower than Lando and Hamilton and probably others as well to finish the race. Not really a good look when your teammate is absolutely blitzing the competition um so yeah the point is red bull dominant because they have now gone six races without a one-two finish if you look at that mclaren season there was a ton of one-two finishes and yet this season what has there been three i know paris had a great start I mean, and there's been two wins from Perez, and Max has finished one, first or second in every race. So there's at least two, and I think Perez has... So maybe there's four. Um, either way, the point is, there's been like 10 rounds, and six straight now, there's not been a single 1-2 finish. The Red Bull is dominant because of the machine that is Max Verstappen. I mean... What happened to that 2022 narrative that uh, Checo was challenging Max in the beginning 
uh, of the season because of that you know understeery nature of the car and that is what Perez liked and then the car was developed towards the towards Max Verstappen and that was why he started to just absolutely put the work on Sergio Perez the issue that Red Bull had in qualifying because of course Lewis Hamilton secured his 104th pole position which we will get into in a moment the reason Red Bull struggled in qualifying was because Max you know said that they set up the car for the race um, we know it's generally lend itself to a twitchy qualifying car with uh, you know lots of front end and a bit of an unstable rear what Max likes it was a bit understeery but that is supposedly what Perez likes yet he's still so far off it was I believe the closest Q3 margin in a long time like from first to tenth and then Q1 was also like the field spread was very small so to be a few tenths off your teammate really showed in these qualifying sessions just because of how tight the pack was but still this is when Perez was like should be on the pace of Max not off him anymore right because you know the car was understeered the way Perez supposedly likes it yet P9 um, the second Red Bull car was bested by other F2 cars that's what uh, Mercedes team principal Total Wolf called the field when comparing it to Max Verstappen in the race, because of course, once Max Verstappen took the lead into turn one from Lewis Hamilton, he absolutely took off and just just dominated the field. And you know, I he said Max this that is, you know, that was probably the most dominant he'd ever felt since Belgium last year. And of course, that's where we're headed next round. Another thing that we will get into later. Um, in this, uh, I guess, dual review and preview episode. But of course, the closest challenger to Max Verstappen in this race was not Sergio Perez. It was McLaren again. Well, that was unexpected, I must say. Um, I, I think it's safe that, to, that we can say McLaren has officially arrived now. It, it, they are the second quickest team in Formula One. That is crazy. Mika Hakkinen, genius, confirmed. Are they flattered by Aston and Mercedes and Ferrari struggles? No, they're just legit. I mean, they might continue to play down their progress and, you know, keep their expectations measured, but this is legitimate stuff. To do this, you know, after coming off of Austrian Silverstone, where they knew the strengths of their car were, were shown on those types of tracks, and then they come to Hungary, where supposedly the the hot temperatures that plagued their car in, in previous races like Miami, where they had an absolute nightmare in Spain, where, of course, Lando had the moment and, and had to pit on the first lap. But then he said that his pace was nowhere near good enough anyway to, to stay up there. And, I mean, I think that kind of showed in the race where he made no comeback whatsoever. Um, and they're supposedly terrible in the slow speed corners and I know some people like to call this track Monaco without the walls I think I heard that on the broadcast plenty of times this weekend which I think is kind of ridiculous because Hungary is made up of a lot of medium speed corners it's not just slow speed so yes McLaren struggled a little bit in the slow speed but they were so quick throughout the rest of the lap that it didn't matter you know they locked out the second row in qualifying P2 and P5 in the race um, you know, Oscar had a fantastic start and first stint. Then 
Lando Norris uh, undercut him, and from there, Piastri's pace wasn't really great. Apparently, he suffered some damage, whether it was over a curb or, or in a battle with Sergio Perez. Not really sure. Still a very mature drive from him, even though he kind of struggled um, on that second and third stint. Like He, he struggled a lot. But the McLaren pace, to, to, for, have a, for having a bad whole second half of the race and you still finish P5, says a lot about the McLaren. Um, Lando was superb, though, and yet still 33 seconds away from Max Verstappen. But yeah, as I said, either way, this track wasn't supposed to suit them. This should have been their kryptonite and they were incredible still quicker than mercedes who i thought this track was supposed to suit them so that is why i am you know claiming like this is legit for mclaren and i expect them to be there the rest of the season you know a, a couple bad weekends here and there sure like that happens to a lot of teams but more often than not we're going to see mclaren up there and I, I firmly believe that Max was even praising them, uh, or he was just making fun of Lewis at Silverstone, where Lewis just continued to praise the McLaren's high-speed performance because as soon as Lewis is not on the podium and uh, Lando and Max could just clown around all day after the race, I don't know how much of you guys saw that, but it was ridiculous. Uh, Lando first breaks the first-place trophy, then the press conference was more comedy than actual Q&A. But yeah, Max was saying... Like, oh, yeah, so good in the high speed and what whatever. And I couldn't tell if that was actually genuine or if he was just, yeah, mocking Lewis. Because he also did mock Lewis another time because he got his 44th victory. And he was like, oh, I can't stay on 44 long. I don't know. It wasn't that hilarious to me. But anyway, <laughs> maybe that's just my sour Lewis Hamilton fandom talking. But uh, either way, these guys were you know, next to each other in the media pen, just absolute vibing. I think, uh, you know, well, they're obviously friends, but I'm sure Max likes to see Lando up there on the podium with him more than the Mercedes boys. Um, so let's talk about them, shall we? I mean, I had very hopes, uh, very high hopes, sorry, going into uh, the weekend. Friday was pretty bad for the Mercedes, but in typical, you know, Merck fashion, they rock up on Saturday and suddenly they're on the pace. Lewis was even fastest in FP3 by two and a half tenths. Qualifying mixed, obviously, with with George getting caught in traffic and getting eliminated in Q1. Uh, 18th, um, I can't remember another time George has been eliminated in Q1. He's had a few Q2 eliminations, thinking back to Imola last year, that double Q2 elimination for Mercedes, and then a couple this year in Baku and uh, just recently, I think it was, yeah, Spain. But 18th has to be his worst grid spot for Mercedes. I can't think of a time he was eliminating Q1, kind of like Lewis was in Saudi last year. Um, he he kind of, I felt bad for him because I feel like George has been incredibly unlucky this season. And then he has to watch his teammate kind of luck into a pole position, let's be honest. Um, it was pole position 104 for Hamilton, his record-breaking ninth at the circuit, which is just inc- crazy to think about. Like, how many people don't even have nine seasons in Formula One, and Lewis has nine pole positions at the same track? It is, it is crazy. Um, you know, I think it was a stellar lap in that car. 
um, in, in, because in th- throughout the session, he didn't really look like he could challenge even the McLarens. He was never there. So that's why I believe it was a bit lucky. Um, Max didn't improve on his final lap, obviously struggling with the balance, that understeery balance that I mentioned. Lando, I think, left a little bit um, there, still you know, 85 thousandths of a second off of Lewis. Um, so that just kind of opened the door for him. And Lewis put together that special lap. It says He said it was, like I think, the best lap he had ever had in the W14. So it was great to see just how much fun he was having, you know, kind of an old soul in Formula 1 at this point, and just absolutely loving getting that 104th pole position like it was his first. So, again, maybe my Lewis fandom talking, but it was awesome to see. I can't – I'm saying this I'm, – I'm trying to be unbiased here because I, I would love to see, you know, Alonso's reaction to getting a win. That seems to be increasingly unlikely. We thought it would be possible this season – I will get into Aston Martin later as well. I love to get ahead of myself, as you guys know. But, uh, yeah, that pole position from Lewis, just all undone at the start. You know, I don't. he doesn't even get a horrible getaway. He has a bit of wheel spin. But, of course, Max saves his best start of the season for when he's alongside Lewis Hamilton, something that felt all too familiar as a Lewis fan, and it was incredibly frustrating. But Max is just... You, you got to tip your cap. He is so good, you know, on the dirty side of the grid. Everyone thought that, oh, maybe Lando can get past Max, and Max is going to be third starting this Grand Prix. But no, he takes the lead right away and just sucks our souls and hopes um, for uh, a good race just from us. Um, Lewis got pushed wide by Max a little bit, but it was clean. It, it just it, it is what it is. And Piastri, like it was his 111th race start instead of his 11th went right up the inside um takes p2 great job from him and then lando even gets the better exit from the corner and gets lewis in the turn two it was an absolute nightmare for mercedes fans um and from there basically it was it felt like it was over i actually i saw a great edit on tiktok someone uh it was of the start of the race it was the f1 um commentator i actually don't know his name um but he's commentating. It's like, and we're lights out at the Hungarian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen immediately. And then you can hear like the, the audio cut wins the Hungarian Grand Prix. <laughs> so it was like a seven second clip of just Max Verstappen immediately getting ahead of Lewis Hamilton is what he was going to say. But immediately wins the Hungarian Grand Prix because that is really what it felt like. Um, but. You know, it wasn't all about Lewis. George had a solid, I wouldn't say outstanding comeback drive, but um, just something we've come to expect, I think, from all the Mercedes drivers at this point. I say all of them, like there's a ton, there's only two, but him or Lewis, I feel like every time they qualify out of position, they always recover um, and kind of maximize their recovery drive. I do think it's a skill that both of them are just incredible at. Like, every time Ferrari is out of position, I always feel like they disappoint on their comeback drives, right? Like, am I crazy saying that? Where Mercedes, like, 18th to 6th, like, that is kind of mega, if you think about it. Like, like, if Leclerc did that, everyone would be praising him. Perez would probably get a freaking driver of the day, because apparently people love his comeback drives more than anyone else. But um, I, I do think that, you know, George putting in maybe only one fastest lap throughout the race when he was kind of on an opposite strategy showed that Mercedes wasn't quite there. Um, You know, Lewis uh, didn't show great pace either, and he complained about the balance throughout the race, and he also had to monitor the power unit temps. um, That just kind of compounded the issue. 
So honestly, I think both of them achieved the maximum and it was just a disappointing day for race pace when that's usually their strength and not qualifying. So confusing day for them. I, yeah, I hoped for more. Uh, what does this mean for the rest of the season where it looks like McLaren has really got the jump on them? I don't think it means as much for Mercedes as it does for McLaren, to be honest. Um, I'm And I'm going to have more on them shortly on, on what I think they can achieve now with this kind of newly formed pecking order. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. I think Mercedes, looking at the landscape, I think they have locked uh, P2 and the constructors just because their drivers always uh, maximize the weekend as well. And it always seems that they're, they don't have as many bad weekends as the other ones have. And But it just feels like they they are so, 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 so far away from Red Bull. And I thought after what we've seen from Red Bull over the past few races, that the second half of the season was going to lend itself to uh, some better racing between, you know, the top teams, but I'm not so sure anymore. And I think this race kind of, it really gave me a bad vibe about 2024, 2025, because it seems like if Red Bull can just bring upgrades to the track without even using wind tunnel time, it's like they just understand this con they just understand it better than everyone and it's not even close so i'm quite confident that red bull is going to continue to dominate max verstappen's probably gonna have 80 wins before we even get to the new power unit era i mean it's it's incredible what they're doing over there so i'll leave it at that let's just get into uh the disappointing teams starting with ferrari a very mid weekend from them um qualifying I don't know what happened to their qualifying pace. It just seems like overall they're kind of slow now. Leclerc had a bit of a scrappy weekend, bad pit stop, uh, and then he also sped in the pit lane, although still finished ahead of Sainz, who I think looked a little bit off Leclerc's pace here. They were tripping over each other, as they typically do, and people were questioning whether Sainz should have been let through and and all that. I think in terms of what they did there, it it just looked worse because I – they, they made the mistake of putting Carlos on the softs. I don't think that was the right choice. It looked great because he made up those six or five positions off the start, but over the race distance, it just wasn't the, the best strategy to be on. Um, you know, it seems like every time Red Bull and Mercedes do the obvious when they qualify out of position, they put their driver on the hard tire, and Ferrari seems to try different things for some reason when it's been proven time and time again that it's best when you have more pace in hand than the cars in front of you to go long so that when you you have some tires left when you get that free air. But Ferrari just likes to do things differently. (laughs) So is Ferrari washed? No, but yes, uh, at the same time. I I really think that with McLaren completely jumping them, um, I expect McLaren to be faster than Ferrari for the rest of these regulations. Do I think Ferrari can be quick again? Sure. And that's only if Red Bull just basically has nothing left to develop and all the cars converge. And I think Ferrari can eventually be a part of that convergence, but I don't think they're ever going to assert themselves um, in a clear second position or, of course, first position or first, I should say, first uh, most quickest or second quickest car. I don't think they're ever going to assert themselves in that area again. Um, but I don't think 
you know, they're going to be a guaranteed fourth or fifth as quickest team. I think they'll be quicker than Mercedes again probably this season. So they're not totally washed, but they're kind of washed. Um, and speaking of washed, Aston Martin, I don't think I'll be backing them until they prove that they're quick again. I mean, even in Singapore, a track that should suit them because it's the most similar to Monaco where they were very strong. Um because this track should have been them, right? I was backing Fernando for the podium. I thought that this was finally going to be the return of Aston. And again, they were nowhere. I mean, Fernando was actually suggesting that the new construction of the Pirelli tires affected them. But then again, he also said that, oh, all of a sudden, uh, Red Bull's showing a lack of pace as well, which makes total sense, right? Since they won by the biggest margin anyone has all season. So that makes a lot of sense, Fernando. Um but uh, guys at the race, um, a podcast that I mentioned frequently just because those guys just do a brilliant job. Um, they've heard from other Aston, mem- Aston Martin uh, team members, and they have kind of ruled out the possibility of the tires having any effect on them. Um, they've just had some track-specific issues. And then overall, I just think they're losing the development race, something I've mentioned a few times on this podcast already. They're kind of down bad right now, but I mean... Still, even though it is kind of um, trying to look on the positive side of something that's just not really great, they are still doing pretty good compared to where they were last year. Um, If they can kind of understand this package that they have um, and find out what the next step is, I still think they're in a great spot um, and, you know, could be in a good spot for next year and you know when they get that honda engine in 2026 they still it's not like i don't believe in their their future anymore because this step that they made this year is incredible the development has been disappointing but you know they're still better than alpine that's for sure shocking stuff again you know slow and qualifying back-to-back dnfs after a first lap incident joe received a penalty for it it was not alpine's fault at all you know, Joe stalled from his best ever grid position. It seemed like that may have flustered him a bit because then he makes a silly mistake going into the back of Ricardo, and that then forced Daniel into the back of Ocon, who went right through the bodywork of Gasly and out go the two Alpines. Nothing they could do whatsoever. But of course, it's them, right? I mean, a tough season gets tougher for the Alpines, and with McLaren's official arrival, they're now a bottom five team, and that's a reality. And they're, they're going to struggle to score points now, and they left a lot on the table. With with how fast McLaren is right now, McLaren was always going to pass them. So they were always going to be a bottom five team anyway, but now it's just like it's going to look huge. And I, I'm not sure any team below Alpine is going to be able to catch them, so they're kind of in a no-man's land. But to be this manufacturer and to be this team that always – mentions these high hopes of challenging at the front. It just seems like they can't get out of their own way. I don't know. I just feel like everyone has that feeling with them at this point. Alpine is just, they're not a joke, but they're a bit of a meme, (laughs) which I guess is kind of the same thing. But yeah, big yikes for them. Um, Now let's talk about Alpha Tauri, I guess, but more specifically, Daniel Ricciardo. I mean, we got to catch up with our new but old Formula One driver. Um, in qualifying, he beats Yuki Sonoda, makes Q2 like our good friend of the pod, Shaq, predicted. 
great stuff from him. Uh, then he has a bit of an unlucky first lap, as I said, with Joe going into the back of him. He likened it to a first game in the NFL where someone's got to lay that big hit on you and welcome you back to the league. I thought that was a, a funny analogy, but honestly recovered brilliantly. That last stint, 40 laps, I believe, on the medium tire. Great stuff. Uh, good race to learn about the car on somewhat of a traditional circuit. Um, no high-speed bits here besides uh, the one corner at the end of the first sector i'm bad with corner names so i apologize but yeah overall i think the performance was definitely positive um he wasn't terrible i think to say that oh he crushed yuki Sonoda in his debut is also a little bit unfair to yuki um so i think this was about as good as you could expect um he definitely didn't smash yuki Sonoda, but he didn't get smashed and to hop in the car not knowing anything about it and go against someone I would say this is a great debut, but it also wasn't, you know, um, image destroying if I think there's a better term for that. But you know what I mean? It wasn't image destroying for Yuki Sonoda. Um, so we'll have to keep an eye on that matchup going forward still. Um, but yeah, it was just great to see Daniel. I think he was happy to be there racing this weekend. And yeah, overall demeanor really good. My expectations for him for the rest of the season, I would say, are honestly to kind of just keep turning in performances like this and hopefully show some flashes of brilliance when the Alpha Terry is hopefully on at a few tracks. That's what I, I want to see. I hope that they can, you know, just rock up in Zanford or something and all of a sudden the Alpha Tauri is performing a little bit better than their direct competitors. And then we see some brilliance from Ricardo. Um, that would be awesome to see. But unfortunately, it just doesn't look like the Alpha Tower is going to be very competitive anywhere, which was the concern initially. But anyway, great start from him. Um, and then the last thing I'll get into here before I get into the results was just the uh, new qualifying format. I figured I'd quick give my thoughts. I thought it was good, but not great. The fans seem to really like it, which I think is a great sign. Um, I think the comments from Lewis and Max about uh, wet weather tires were fair. If you didn't see that, they were basically saying that you know, it's this great idea that uh, F1's trying to not be wasteful with their tires, but yet we bring intermediates and extreme wets every single weekend, and they don't get used at so many tracks. Like, we bring them to Bahrain and Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi, where it literally has never rained, <laughs> and we ha they have to bring them, and then they just don't get used. So they were saying that if there's maybe something that they can look into there, that would actually end up saving more tires than this new format that they brought in um but overall you know i would welcome this at other events and i honestly think it's similar enough to be an unnoticeable outright replacement of what we already have um and i do think it provides a little bit of challenge to some teams like i think ferrari is the number one that comes to mind where they're just they're so confused about how their car um, is balanced and how much pace they have from compound to compound. So when, you know, I think it was, I think it was the mediums where the Ferraris just really struggled on. I can't really remember. Um, but, you know, like they might, Ferraris might be rapid on the hards and then all of a sudden they're not quick on the mediums and then the softs. I think that is, um, this format can, you know, bring some extra challenges to teams like that. Um, but Overall, it's really not that much different. Um, so I like it. And if it does, you know, in the end, save tires, it also makes things a bit simpler um, with 
you know, the commentators needing to explain which, which teams are on the new softs and which teams are on the old softs, and that can actually make a big difference sometimes. Here, it's just they're on the hards, they're on the mediums, they're on the softs. Pretty much they're always new or at least new enough. They're not super scrub. So, yeah, I think it's it simplifies the sport a little bit, and it's also better for sustainability. So I I do see the point, but then again, I've always said qualifying is great as it is. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So finally, now we get into the results. Max Verstappen, P1, of course, his seventh straight win. He has a chance to equal Sebastian Vettel's record at his home race when F1 returns from the summer break. I think that's super cool. If he wins in Belgium, his ninth uh, straight win, which would tie the record, of course, is at Zandvoort. Uh, P2, Lando Norris, that's the first time he's been on the podium in successive races in Formula 1. How about that? Uh, P3, Sergio Perez, his comeback drive earned him driver of the day. P4, Lewis Hamilton, a tough race after securing pole. Uh, Oscar Piastri, P5, followed by George Russell in P6, who inherited, uh, he was P7 on the road, but inherited that from Leclerc's speeding in the pit lane, five-second penalty. Then the Ferraris, P7, P8. Uh, then the Astons, P9, Alonso, P10, Lance Stroll. The drivers' top 10 standings look like this. Max Verstappen is at 281 points, a whole 110 ahead of Sergio Perez, who sits at 171. Who's now gapping Fernando Alonso, who Alonso said that he thinks he could beat Sergio Perez. Not in the uh, green tractor that you're driving once again, Fernando. I mean, it's not a tractor, but... It is uh, looking like it's the fifth fastest uh, car on the track again, which is not great. Lewis Hamilton, only six points back from Fernando again. He is looking like a good chance for best of the rest, which is, I think, great to see. I'm happy that he's back on top because Lewis is now quite a ways away from his teammate. 43 points ahead of George Russell. He sits on 90 points. He's only three ahead of Carlos Sainz. He's at 87 then seven points back from him is Charles Leclerc at 80. And coming quick is Lando Norris. He's at 60 points now on the season, 20 behind Leclerc. He is 15 ahead of Stroll. Stroll's at 45. And then rounding out the top 10 is Esteban Ocon with 31, although that will probably not last long with Oscar Piastri, only four points behind Esteban. Looking at the constructors, Red Bull extends their place on top. I actually have this written in, just extends their place on top, because it feels like Red Bull's just going to do that every weekend. Um, 452 points for Red Bull now. Mercedes is at 233. That is a massive margin. Uh, Mercedes kind of starting to gap Aston Martin now. Aston's at 184. Like I said, Mercedes at 233. That's uh, just about 50 points. Ferrari is uh, 167, sort of catching Aston Martin, but at a slow pace. And then, again, coming quick is McLaren. They're at 87, so Ferrari's still, you know, 80 points ahead. But with McLaren's, how quickly they're scoring points, they could be in that mix in no time, which is scary. Uh, Alpine still sits on 47 after their back-to-back DNFs. Williams still in P7, tied with Haas on 11 points, but ahead on countback. Then it's Alfa Romeo in P9 with 9, and then Alfa Tauri in dead last with 2 points. Now let's look at our prize demise and surprise. Well, the prize has to go to Red Bull because these new upgrades clearly worked 
during the race. Or I, actually, I couldn't even say that if they clearly were. I just think this is about them reasserting their dominance. Um, it did look like the field was starting to get a little closer. And then Max actually goes on and has his most dominant win. So Red Bull is looking like they're set to dominate for sure uh, for the next few years. I know that it's overreacting after one race probably, but that's just how I feel. The demise, I mean, who else can it be? It's got to be Alpine. Um, Just another (laughs) shocking performance. And this is also about McLaren's official arrival because their direct competitors from last year, which I think had to be Aston Martin and McLaren, have completely gapped them. So this is a really tough one for Alpine. But they do have a new floor coming for Spa. Who knows, maybe they make this massive uh, leap as well, but I doubt it. Um, McLaren is the surprise because for all the reasons that I've already mentioned, this track didn't think, you know, I didn't think Piastri was going to score points. That was my bold prediction. And he was in P2 (laughs) on the first lap. So uh, I kind of knew that was going to be wrong right away. Um, So that's that. The championship segment will be back next week because it's a double header. And we have a race to preview as well. So let's look at the Belgium Grand Prix and what we can expect this coming weekend. Well, for those who don't remember, the Belgium Grand Prix is a sprint weekend. I'm really looking forward to um, seeing how a sprint goes at a track like Spa-Francorchamps. I think it's probably one of the the most historic and famous tracks in Formula One albeit um, arguably the most controversial as well, maybe after Monaco, but for a completely different reason. Um, Of course, the safety is a concern with the passing of a Formula 2 driver in 2019 and the most recent um, tragedy of uh, the Formula regional driver that passed away um, probably about a month ago now. Um, The drivers, it'll probably be a topic again in the media once we get there. Um, Looking forward to seeing what they have to say about that. Um, But Still, this is a classic driver's track um, that has great visuals and a, and a good atmosphere. It's high speed but twisty in, in Sector 2, which they always bring up the, uh, the point about how their setups, they have to compromise whether they want to be quick in Sector 1 and Sector 3 or quick in Sector 2 because I believe Sector 2 is also the longest sector in terms of lap time. So there is like a legit debate and they have to find a good balance in between that. Um, weather is usually a factor here. I've already looked at some forecasts, and it looks like it's guaranteed for rain. Um, but I will say this about Spa is that as, as amazing it is as it is, as like just looking at the track on paper, it should be amazing. Uh, the drivers love it. Fans love it. It doesn't actually tend to deliver amazing races, at least in recent history. I can't remember a banger at Spa for a while. And, and if you say like the the 20 was it 2017 or 20 it was 2018 i believe that was here comes sebastian vettel really that race wasn't that good as soon as vettel took the lead he kind of controlled the race and and won kind of easily like it wasn't there's been some great moments here recently but i wouldn't say there's been a great race like last year definitely was not my favorite max verstappen won from p14 and dominant fashion also at pole over by over seven tenths i believe and watched everyone get nowhere close to his time from the garage i expect red bull to be brilliant here again but the question is how close can the next competitor be and who will it be so 
my prediction is that qualifying will qualifying. I said that weird. Quali will go the way of Max Verstappen again. Um, but I do think that the McLarens will be really strong here. I mean, we keep talking about the the pace of the McLarens and the high speed. This track has to suit them the most, like out of the rest of like Suzuka, maybe um would would be great for the McLaren. I'm trying to think of tracks. Um we have no idea about Las Vegas. Um, I wouldn't say Brazil or Mexico, Abu Dhabi, maybe. I don't know. It's it, And that's also looking so far ahead. The cars can be completely different by then. So maybe I'm missing something. But I feel like of all the tracks left, what we know about the McLaren, which I'm I, I'm going to admit is not a lot. I'm not a, an expert for sure. But it seems like the Belgium Grand Prix should be great. This is a track that Lando loves. He is part Belgian as well, which is fun. Um, so I think that Lando is, uh, I'm going to back him for P2 on the grid and I'm also going to back him for P2 in the race. Again, a third straight, um, uh, runners up to Max Verstappen. I really think Max is likely going to dominate this race. Once again, Perez, I think is going to be up there just because of the sheer pace of the Red Bull and that this isn't necessarily a hard place to overtake at all. I expect Piastri to be up there. And then in terms of Mercedes, Aston Martin and Ferrari I think just based off of what I've seen from these teams recently I'm gonna say Aston again is the slowest and then Mercedes and Ferrari I'm gonna say are closer but I'll give the edge to Mercedes just because they always execute better my bold prediction is that Williams will be in the mix I think Williams could actually be quicker than Aston Martin here I think this track um, with their straight line speed is going to be good as long as they're not terrible in sector two which I think is a possibility i i do like williams here and the rain being a factor i'm not sure who that helps or doesn't help to be honest i think if anything um that might hurt mercedes but if albon can have a good qualifying i think that helps him a ton because i think that would make it harder to overtake and his defense has just been immaculate this year so my bold prediction is that uh albon will finish ahead of alonso how about that crazy stuff for me today um so then let's get into brad's bets because you got to ride the bias every weekend guys because a review of my hungry picks i gave out some winners george russell was not on the podium of course that was never even in the cars after his qualifying but he did finish in the top six i gave that one out both mercedes was in the top six that was plus 100 so double your money if you bet on that one lewis hamilton did not score a top two finish, um, but if you were backing Lewis in any way and maybe took him to get pole position, you would have been nuts for doing that. But if you did, I was kind of backing Lewis to have a great weekend, just not top two finish. No safety car was a yes, so plus 150 for that was a winner. Of course, Danny Ricardo did not score points. I didn't really believe in that one anyway. And then my long shot of the week, Nico Hulkenberg to make the first pit stop did not happen because of the squabbling between the Alpines and Ricardo on the first lap. This week, I have Alex Albon to score points. That's plus 120. I have Lando on the podium for minus 150. That is some crazy, uh, like, not really that long of odds to be backing a McLaren on the podium, but I think they're legit and I think they're going to be really, really good here. So minus 150 for that plus 160 for max Verstappen hat trick I think the way he's driving right now 
he could pit to get that fastest lap again to just prove his dominance. He could just be the quickest and no one even could try for the fastest lap because it's so fast. He's in, he's put himself in so many situations that he's just running longer than everyone else. And then he is the last one to make a pit stop. So then he's on the freshest tires at the end and then just gets the fastest lap that way. Or he'll just be so far ahead, like I said, that he'll just pit on the couple last laps and just get himself the fastest lap for fun. So I think a hat trick is is very likely here. Plus 160 is great money. Over eight seconds winning margin, only plus 175. I think that's wild because I would absolutely back him to to crush the field here. And then a quality margin is something I've never bet on before, but on Bet365, you can bet on over a quarter of a second uh, to from pole to P2. I think that's probably going to happen as well. Max Verstappen's an animal here. The Red Bull's going to be an animal here. Unless Perez can have a great weekend, which I don't think he's great around this circuit, it's going to be a dominant pole position, probably sprint win, probably sprint quality, probably everything. I wouldn't be surprised if Max Verstappen led all the practice sessions, which I guess is only one, but still. It's going to be all things Max Verstappen this weekend. And the long shot, because I actually I, I looked, I have really nothing, so I'm going to say if you think that Alpine is going to double DNF for a third straight race, that is plus 1400 there you go so that is going to do it for episode 64 of break bias i'm your host brad kramer and i'll be back with episode 65 on monday to review the belgian grand prix is max verstappen going to lap the field in belgium i wouldn't put it past him goodbye